This message was presented at the GYC 2010 No Turning Back Conference in Baltimore, Maryland. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Our Father in heaven, Lord, this afternoon, once again, we come humbly before your throne of grace. And Father, as, as I am a, a sinful, uh, fumbling, mumbling human being, Father, I pray that you would put Brandon self aside, Father, and that you would speak through me, that you would convey points that only needed to be conveyed, that as we present this topic today, that you would loosen my tongue and that you would open the ears of those here Father, as, as we are bombarded by a media that wants to conform and distort your image, we just pray that, that we can be transformed into your likeness, into your image, the way you originally intended, Father. Be with this meeting now, we pray in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. Sex, lies, and videotapes. I first want to make the disclaimer, I'm not a uh, sex therapist. I don't have a PhD in, uh, how would you say, sexology, <laughs> if that's a word. I'm not an, uh, a sexpert. <laughs> but I have done research, which is all available to everyone. That's the beauty of the internet. And also, those that are, are interested, uh, tomorrow I'm going to make available at our, our Little Light Studios booth, if, if you want, reference material where I got uh, a lot of my uh, research from, references. I'll have that just in, in black and white copy format. You guys can take it home, do your own research, create your own presentations, and you can just go like wildfire. Okay? Here's a topic today that doesn't really get talked about too much. And we're going to take broad strokes. Um, sometimes these topics need to be dealt in certain, uh, how would I say this? Females should talk about it in their groups and males talk about it in their groups. And in this case, we're coming together, so we're going to take broad strokes, uh, looking at the subject of sexuality and today's media and how that's affecting us. I'm already starting to get a little warm. Naturally, as Christians, we, we like to skirt around the, the issue of sexuality, and uh, sometimes it can be uncomfortable, but uh, I, I pray the Lord will bless today. <clears throat> In the book of Genesis, we have a creation account. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Right from the beginning, God created male, female. Boy, girl. Man, woman. In whose image? His image. In his likeness. Now, if we just stop and think about that for a little bit, that's kind of a, it's, it's a very humbling thought to be created in the image of the Most High. 
And I don't know of any other account of beings that are created expressly in the image of God or the likeness of God. But here God comes down and he creates male and female in his image. And so we start to see a a precedent set up that God etched his image, his character, not only internally, but also physically in humanity, male and female. Very powerful. So in verse 28... God said he ble- or it says God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply this was a command not only are you created in my image but I'm giving you the command and I'm giving you the desire to be fruitful and to multiply to expound and expand the earth fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over the fish and over the sea over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth Wow. He, was, he gave a command and he blessed it. Told them, be fruitful and multiply. Populate the earth. So right from the beginning, just in a uh, procreation standpoint, sexuality, sex, was blessed by God. Sexuality was intended and and created as a beautiful thing between a man and a woman. And God blessed it. In chapter 2, verse 23 and 24, it says, Adam says, and he's almost like saying this in a song, almost like he's, he's just ecstatic, because now he's meeting his wife for the first time. You see, at this point... Adam had been created and he had, he had, you know, spent time with the animals and he was kind of lonely but he really couldn't put a finger on it because he had never seen a woman before or anybody else like him. So God put him to sleep and, and, and as God was creating uh, uh, Eve and then he woke up Adam, Adam says, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she, has, she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become how many flesh? One flesh. Man and woman come together and become one flesh. And what happens immediately after this union? When we look at the, the creation week, as, as, as the, we don't know the exact time, but as, as the Bible puts it, as they become one flesh, what's the next thing that takes place? The Sabbath. We see time, the Sabbath. We see a sacred place, the Garden of Eden. And we see a holy union between man and woman. Now, was there multiple men, multiple women? No, one man and one woman. And God blessed it. In 25 it says, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. We, we know that they potentially, or they had a robe of light, Christ's righteousness around them, and they were not ashamed. But as they, ca- they came together in this holy union, in this first 
uh, uh, marital union, in a first sexual intercourse, they were not ashamed. They knew each other intimately. Now, when we go through this process today, this talk, we're, we're going to look at, uh, when we talk about sex, sure, we th- automatically think of the physical act. But there's other components. There's the mental aspect of it. There's the spiritual aspect of it. And as Adam and Eve came together in one flesh, there was these three components all in one, and it was beautiful. And God blessed it. Well, as we saw from the first talk uh, that I gave with artificial atmosphere, there was a fall. Sin came in, and, 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 the, and, and man fell from grace. And since then, there's just kind of been this... Um, snowball effect of trying to achieve something that's not there, trying to recreate something that wasn't designed to be. Over time, we see that that through the pagan religions, uh, Babylon, uh, Egypt, uh, Greece, Rome, there was sexuality mixed in with the religion. You see, God never designed um, uh, sex to be a way to get to know him better. And that's what many of the occult worlds started to do. Babylon was, excuse me, Babylon was notorious for incorporating temple prostitutions. You see, they would have a, a, a woman that would, that would wait there, and, and any man could come by, and if he gave her money, she was his for the night. But that was a good thing in this case. And every woman was required to go through this ritual. Well, when you fast forward through history, we come to the 60s, and we know that as the sexual revolution that took place here in the United States. There's actually two sexual revolutions. The more prominent one was in the 60s. And out of that, we saw the, the, the women's right and the, and the gay movement, and we saw um, uh, the rise of we know as the birth control pill, and all this was to curb and, and promote free sexuality. Because when you can promote free sexuality, you have no boundaries. And up until this point, in, in a typical marriage, a, the man was the, house, was the head of the household, the wife was... Uh, I don't want to say subservient, but, but she had her specific role, and the kids had their specific role, and it was a family unit. But when the, the 60s came, that completely turned it upside down. Now we see that as a result of the sexual revolution of the 60s, divorce went through the roof. Uh, marital infidelity went through the roof. Sexually transmitted disease went through the roof because of this thought that we don't need to be tied to one person. The concept that God created that sex or intimacy between a male, one male and one woman was thrown out the window. But how does that play in today's society? With today's media, today's... Uh, I mean, it's, it's so ubiquitous. Everything that is around us dealing with sexual promiscuity and identity. 
And remember, something we want to remember as we're going through this is God's image. What is God's image? How is it supposed to be played out in our lives? And how does it play in, in, in the sexual boundaries of male and female? Well, there's what's called the beauty myth. Has anybody heard of the book called The Beauty Myth by Naomi, Naomi Wolf? Does that ring a bell to anybody? It's a secular read, but it's very powerful. It's, it's a, a woman that has done tons of research on this, this whole uh, idea of what the media and what society says is beauty and what is sexy and how you're supposed to be. So we live in a, a very media-saturated environment in society, and it's trying to dictate how you are to look, how to act, and how you are to be sexually. Here's a clip. We're going to start with this whole beauty myth as we're, we're, we're building a case here. Some of you may have already seen this before. Very fascinating. I need sound, though. Years. So as you see in today's Hollywood and media, this is just a prime example. This was a, a, something that was set up. But that's how it is. Every image that you see on covers, and they're starting to make more of a, a, a bigger deal about it, are manipulated, they're transformed. A lot of the, the models or the actresses that they portray don't even look like that. And so it's starting to create a false image in your mind of what you are supposed to look like. And as our minds are easily manipulated, do you guys, how many people were here for the first talk and, and, and got to see about the uh, mirrored neurons? Wasn't that amazing? It starts to make sense now why we copycat what we see on the tabloids and what we see in the movies. Well, uh, many of the women's magazines, I mean, sex is on every single cover. It's telling you how to have naughtier sex. It's telling you how to uh, look better how to have your best body in 30 days. Even the men's magazines are not uh, exempt from this. Build big arms fast. Uh, 120 seconds to leaner looks. But what about children? Children are the most... Their, their, their minds are so plastic. If their minds are still developing up until at least the age of 20, the media knows that they can manipulate and absorb and attack that. Because if they can get them when they're this age, they're going to have them when they're older. And pretty soon you have a society that is created and, and following a program that they have created. So there is a Barbie myth for children. And I don't really like my weight. Really? Yeah, most of my girls in my grade are really slim, like a tiny. And I'm bigger than them. I 
don't see myself as big, but I see myself as like right in the middle. Right. And I want to be skinny. First time I ever heard I was ugly at school. I was in grade three or four. And I was like, the first time everybody never told me that, so I didn't know what to feel. But I just felt it all the time. I don't like my legs. Every time I wear a skirt, I'll always keep tugging it down because I think my thighs are fat. Either you're too tall, you're too short, you're, you're too skinny, skinny, you're too fat. It doesn't seem so important what's inside to a lot of guys and girls. Like, no one really looks for your personality. They just look at you, okay, she's sexy, he's sexy. I just started high school and I felt like I needed to be accepted. I feel pressure like that a lot, and then I try to go home and do sit-ups. I started losing weight. Like, I came back in grade 9, and I was thinner and stuff and people just started talking to me like I had friends. The last few models, or at least the second to last model, actually died of anorexia. And this is what is being promoted to children. As, as, as you see that these young girls are having already issues at an age where they shouldn't even be having to think about that. An age where they should be reading and, 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 and exploring outside and having uh, fun in, in other ways, other concerned, uh, excuse me, ways outside of being concerned if their legs are too big or if their body size is too big or what their, their peers are going to think of them because they don't look a certain way. And we start to see that uh, the devil has taken God's image and he's distorted it and wants to distort it in humanity and how it, he is doing it through the media. Well, pretty recent statistics say young girls are more afraid of becoming fat than they are of nuclear war, cancer, or losing their parents. Half of the fourth grade class are on a diet. That's pretty amazing. Well, with all this, and this doesn't just uh, speak specifically to women. This, spe this speaks to young men. You know, young men, teenagers, college age, have to look a certain way, have to act a certain way. If you don't play sports, you're, 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 you're not fit to be in this crowd. Or if you don't have a certain body build, you're not allowed to be in this crowd. We see that the devil has transformed God's image in, in each one of us, something that was created, that we still bear, and was created to be beautiful and has distorted it, and has started to transform it in each one of our own minds and eyes. But how does that start to create gender issues, gender problems? How many people think we uh, are affected or start to perceive uh, gender issues? Male looking like female, female looking like male. Is that a problem today? Anybody heard of Tokyo Hotel? It's very interesting. Uh, Scott and I were speaking in Austria. And uh, when this slide came up, it was, the whole audience just erupted in laughter. Because this band is from Germany. And so they could uh, identify with it really well. For those that don't know, this is a kind of a boy band. Yes, the guy in the center is a guy. And uh, he is the lead singer. And uh, the first time I saw this man, I actually really did think he was a woman. But we start to see that the way hair is made, the way they dress, 
whether male or female, there is starting to be a line of, of distinction. That line of distinction is, is obviously blurred. Hairstyles even. Sharing the same, same hairstyles. And in dress. And then there's the phenomenon of the skinny jean. You guys haven't heard of skinny jeans, have you? I show the next image with caution. I, I, I warn you. These are for men. None of us wear that here, right? So why, why would there be a confusion of gender? First of all, if, if, if we're trying to confuse... Uh, Men and women, boys and girls, that they have to look a certain way, and then we throw into the mix that, you know what, you should look more like a girl, or you should look more like a boy. Can you imagine the mind job that is doing to people? And what the devil is doing, again, is transforming and manipulating this image that God has placed. This, this, it's such an honor to have the image of God, to bear that image. And when it's confused and distorted... We're doing God a disservice. But with that in mind, as we advance farther, where are we really learning about sex? Are we learning it from media, movies, television, video games, tabloids? Are we learning it from the Bible? Are we learning it from church? Are we learning it from families? You know, in today's society, especially in America, it's uh, at least a little while ago, Sex talked about in, in, in proper terms in the house was almost taboo. Like parents were too embarrassed to talk about what sexual boundaries were, what proper biblical sexual boundaries are. Now we're at a point where we don't really know what those boundaries are. Those boundaries now just pertain to as long as you have protection, it's okay. Instead of educating our young people that, you know what, God created sex to be beautiful, to be shared between a man and a woman, one man, one woman, and it involves more than just a physical act. It involves a mental act. It involves a, 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 just a whole uh, greater sphere of actions than just the physical component. And because we are not taking the time to educate our young people, we are resorting to media educating our young people. Baby One More Time was released in October 98, and that single really exploded across the world. The image that she came out with was totally hers. She wanted to be sexy, but she also wanted to be the girl next door. She was packaged as the sexualized Lolita schoolgirl. It's an image that packs a powerful punch because it's a very taboo sexuality. Someone saw a way to take this really pretty, innocent-looking, America's sweetheart kind of girl and turn her into a vixen without giving too much away. Guys wanted her and girls wanted to be her. I don't know why they want to see me. So here's an individual that really didn't even have the choice to be like that. Somebody else pre-planned that, pre-packaged for her. And how many people remember the phenomenon that she created when she first came out? I mean, it was huge. 
And every, like this lady said, everyone wanted to, wanted to be either with her or like her. And it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty sad what ended up happening. And of course, as, as many of us know from the tabloids, she's had a very rocky life. Well, it's very interesting. This was put in literally about 30 minutes ago. Um, her single, Baby, One More Time. Has anybody ever heard it played backwards? No? Yes? Okay. Uh, see if you can pick this up. It plays twice. And remember what that commentator said. She was uh, almost portrayed in such a way as, as the, the young sexual temptress. Did you guys get that? Oh, that's kind of garbled, huh? It says, sleep with me, I'm not too young. You want me to do it again? Okay. Pretty amazing. And if this... Poor girl was marketed in that way. And if that is playing in our minds, what is that starting to do? Because she created a, a, it was created a whole entourage of young girls that followed her. And as if you look at this girl's life, it's, she almost had this innocent appearance. And then as she advanced further in her career, she became more sexually explicit. And of course, when you have monkey see, monkey do, you start to create a whole entourage of fans that follow those same traits, distorting God's image and plan for biblical sexuality. Well, Miley Cyrus's nine-year-old sister is launching a lingerie line for kids, says uh, this website here. And... uh, this is her down here with her friends on a stripper pole. And uh, I don't think I need to say any more. Of course, we have brats. At what age is too young to start implementing these on our young children? And what do our children need to know about love? Sure, they got bombarded of how to look sexy and how to act sexually. And then you throw the, the, the Hollywood version of what a true love story is. And you throw them together and they, they, they come together in one big crash. You start them young with Walt Disney, Beauty and the Beast, or something equivalent thereof. And you progress further to where you have your romantic uh, comedies, or excuse me, movies, The Notebook, Twilight, a big phenomenon. And you can progress even further into the more explicit films, to where our senses are so numbed that sex actually becomes a joke. That something that God created to be beautiful, to be holy, between one man and one woman now becomes a joke. And now, the devil is laughing and laughing and laughing. Because while... We may be faithful to our wife or our husband. These movies still appeal to us because they make us laugh. 
and we're taking this beautiful, intimate uh, thing that God created in this almost this command, this command that he did give to be fruitful and multiply, and we're making it of, of no importance. And here's a, little, here's a little clip dealing with how the producers, the directors, the creators of the American Pie franchise had an object, or excuse me, a, a, uh, something in mind to, to transform the minds of young people. History that Hollywood peddles adult material to children. Now let's see how the spoon-fed material has affected them. You've heard one insider describe how the Hollywood machine marketed his R-rated movie to an audience too young to go see it. What movie did you see? American Pie. I saw American Pie. American, American Pie, Pie too. American Pie. American Pie. I'm 15. 14. 15. 13. 12. 12. 13. Who wants me to touch Amber? Oh, yeah! I love flash beans. They're great. Two girls are lesbians. The lesbian scene. Lesbian That's hilarious. How aware are children of the corrosive influences? And they seem to pick up everything, like sponges. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like Play-Doh. Put a piece of Play-Doh on a table and it picks up everything. Kids are Play-Doh. They don't even know what they've picked up. That was intentional. Again, if you can get them young, you can, by, by the time they're older, you've completely changed their morals and their values. You completely have defaced the image of God in just a short amount of time. Oops. Well, there's about sex, or excuse me, three sex scenes per hour on television. And 83% of, of the episodes of the top 20 shows among teen viewers contain some sexual content, including 20% with sexual intercourse. So we're bombarded. We, like I said, media today is so saturated with some kind of uh, sexual overtones. We've heard the, the adage that sex sells, right? Who has not ever heard that? It doesn't make sense that, that, that some furniture store with a naked woman, but we, our, mind, our mind puts together that a naked woman and, and, and a couch need to go together because sexual, or excuse me, sexual intercourse is pleasure, and so if I buy that couch, that's going to be pleasure. And so that's the line of thinking, but yet logically it doesn't make sense that there should be a naked woman next to a couch, does it? But sex does sell, and it's very effective. And so if you can continue to saturate society through media on, on sexuality, you're going to start to change the values and morals. And then we deal with pornography. Because it's a slippery slope, once we start to get a taste, even if it's at a, a young age or a middle-aged or older age, of, of, of certain images, all of a sudden we want a little bit more and a little bit more. And pretty soon we're dealing with this monster of pornography. And it's a very big monster. Well, pornography comes from the Greek words porne and graphian which when lit literally translated means the writing about prostitutes, the writing of prostitutes. And that's essentially what we have today. You know, as it, as it has developed and, and uh, through technology, it was the magazine format and video format, now it's so easily accessible by a few clicks of a button. And we're completely lost. But is there dangers in pornography? See, so many people out there say it's actually a good thing 
because it's preventing uh, multiple partners and it's preventing STDs and it's preventing all these things. But is it really harmful to us? That should be a no-brainer. Well, here's a few statistics. 12% of the websites on the Internet are pornographic. That's about uh, almost 25 million sites. $3,000 is being spent on pornography every second. 28,000 Internet users are viewing porn. 40 million Americans are regular visitors of porn sites. And one in three porn viewers are women. And it's interesting, over here you have the lowest day of viewing pornography is Thanksgiving, probably because they're watching football. (laughs) And the highest is the day when everybody is in church. It's kind of uh, ironic. Um, So yeah, pornography is a huge industry almost $14 billion annually. And it's interesting, as technology is advancing with HD and all that, they're actually starting to come out with three-dimensional pornography. I don't know how that's going to work, but you start to think about where that's taking humanity. Do you realize that Rome fell when it was at its most debased, lowest point? Where are we at in Earth's history? As America is getting more and more debased, are we about to fall? Taken from the book Wired for Intimacy, uh, William Struthers says, Pornography takes human sexuality out of the natural context. Intimacy between two human beings and makes it a product to be bought or sold. When a person views pornography and becomes addicted to it, it now treats people not only as human beings, children of God, but now as objects. And as we saw the statistics that that one in three women women view pornography, the predominant uh, people that view pornography, of course, is male. And what that starts to do, it starts to rewire in the male's mind how they view women. So now, if a male is habitually looking at pornography, they cannot naturally look at a woman as a sister in Christ. He has to look at her as an object to be had, to be bought or to be sold. This beautiful image that was placed and etched on this person has now been erased. Taken from... Uh, volume 2 of the Testimonies, page 347. It says, Some who make a high profession do not understand the sin of self-abuse. Self-abuse. Does everyone know what that term means? Masturbation. And it's sure results. Long-established habit has blinded their understanding. They do not realize the exceeding sinfulness of this degrading sin, which is uh, enervating the system and destroying their brain nerve power. Moral principles is exceedingly weak when it conflicts with established habit. Solemn messages from heaven cannot forcibly impress the heart that it is not fortified against the indulgence of this degrading vice. The sensitive nerves of the brain have lost their healthy tone by morbid uh, excitation to gratify the unnatural desire for sensual indulgence. The brain nerves which communicate with the entire system are the only medium through which heaven can communicate to man 
and affect its inmost life. Whatever disturbs the circulation of electric currents in the nervous system lessens the strength of the vital powers, and the result is a deadening of the sensibilities of the mind. In consideration of these facts, how important that ministers and people who profess godliness should stand forth clear and untainted from the soul-debasing vice. You think that this came right out of a medical journal. Here she was talking about masturbation in the sense that it absolutely cripples the mind. It destroys the body. And the thing that goes hand in hand nine times out of ten with pornography is masturbation. And we usually don't want to bring up the M word, but it is a huge problem. And as Bible-believing Christians, we should have no hand in that, so to speak. We should not even entertain the thought. Many, many uh, uh, people today promote that as a safe sex uh, way out of multiple partners and STDs, etc. But you are effectively destroying the image of God in yourself through masturbation. Well, this all, what happens in the brain, and that book, anyway, The Wired for Intimacy is a fascinating book. I recommend getting it. It's, it's absolutely a great read. Over time, these paths become, this is taken from the book, uh, over time, these paths become wider as they are repeatedly traveled with each exposure to pornography. This is talking about the neurons that, that go through our brain, the different pathways. They become wider. They become the automatic pathway through which interactions with women are routed. With each lingering stare, pornography deepens a grand canyon, like gorge uh, in the brain through which images of women are destined to flow. Repeated exposure to pornography creates a one-way neurological superhighway where a man's mental life is over-sexualized and narrowed. It's hemmed in on either side by high containments, walls making escape nearly impossible. Addiction to pornography is one of the addictions that are, is probably one of the hardest to kick. Have you ever uh, created a pathway through tall grass where it was kind of hard to break that pathway? But when you kept, keep traveling that pathway, it, what, what becomes of it? It becomes easier, correct? And pretty soon you have a nice, clean path through the field. But what happens if you want to make a new path? How easy is it? You're kind of back where you started. You have to, to kind of wage through this tall grass and the tall shrubbery to make a new path. So it is with pornography. It's only by the grace of God that he will give us the victory to overcome pornography. Amen? Amen. I'm, I'm kind of uh, bummed. Um, Chad and Fadia Cruiser have a whole seminar on overcoming, and I wish it wasn't necessarily conflicting with this one, but uh, they have a powerful message, uh, I believe, from on high on how to overcome uh, sin and habits. <clears throat> Samuel on uh, war, he was a, a Gnostic, an occult uh, guru. This guy was very high in the occult world, and he started this, this Gnostic, universal Gnostic church. And it's very interesting what he has to say about sexuality because he, had, he talked about three different types of sexuality. And the third one is dealing with almost demonic possession. And he was, it was 
he promoted it in a negative light that we should stay away from it. Uh, this first demon, uh, I'm going to butcher its name, Nahamas. Anyway, I shouldn't get it right anyway. Sphere of influence, which includes fornication, adultery, and prostitution. And Lilith's sphere, Lilith, uh, if you do any research on vampires, Lilith is supposedly the vampire, or excuse me, the demon that started the whole vampire phenomenon. But Lilith's sphere of influence, a category which includes homosexuality, masturbation, abortion, and so forth. Uh, and any other abuse of the sexual energy. So he's saying that this is a bad thing. But it's pretty amazing for somebody that is very high up in the occult world to say this. And that when you start to distill this down, when you take these particular demons that are in charge of these types of sexuality, prostitution, masturbation, homosexuality, it starts to link two and two together that, wow, if pornography and masturbation are part of my life, am I worshiping a demon. Do we take it that far? And if we're worshiping a demon, who are we not worshiping? And are we ultimately etching God's image out of our life? Well, when you break it down, the two, two different categories, God, godly, healthy sexuality, pornography, unhealthy sexuality. This list is actually quite longer, but uh, just a few of them here. On the left side, it's caring. On the right side, it's using, honoring, shameful. Godly, healthy sexuality enhances your identity. The other compromises your identity. Emotional bonding, emotional separateness. Biblical boundaries are set up. The other side has no limits. Involves all of the person. This side is visual and genital. This side humanizes it. This side objectifies it. And lastly, honors the image and imaging of God in you. And, the other, and lastly, dishonors the image and imaging of God in you. As we're bringing this to a close, as we see that originally God created, as we saw, man and woman in his image. And I believe it was for a reason, because when man and woman come together in, in sexual union, and they're intimate with one another, it was to show a bigger picture, a, bi a bigger mosaic of his plan for humanity. As we see in, in Ephesians chapter 5, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, and that he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he may present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. See, God created this, this beautiful union. And as sin came into the world, there needed to be a solution. And so we have this picture, this analogy that Christ is the, is, is the groom. And his church is who? The bridegroom. And they are eventually to come together at his second coming. And we are to go with him. 
But if the devil can manipulate this, this idea of, of uh, how we are supposed to act sexually, how we're supposed to look and feel, what is that doing to our relationship, our intimate relationship with God? And if God created sex to be beautiful, does that give us a better understanding of what God had intended or intends for His church and His people? Because remember, sexuality isn't just a physical act, but it's a mental and spiritual act as well. In that, when we bond closer with our wife, our spouse, we get to know them on such a deep level. We know exactly how they're going to react or what they might say next. We almost sometimes finish their sentences. That's how we are supposed to be with Christ and Christ with us. And when we behold these things, uh, whether it's internet pornography or, or movies that we know we shouldn't watch, and it's manipulating, and we think that, you know what, I don't necessarily believe that, but that's getting seared in our mind to such a degree that eventually our image of Christ and our relationship with Christ becomes fractured and distorted. And so... I want to appeal to you today that while, while we deal with, while we're bombarded with, with what sexuality should be like, we need to stand as light bearers in a darkened world to say and show what God intended for true intimacy. And many of you may not even be dating anybody or even be married. But let me tell you, God, friends, has designed something special for you. And if he so desires to tarry, God has picked out somebody special for you. And it's not our duty to pick that person out, if it is his will. And if pornography is an issue, God has promised victory to those that so desire to overcome that. These are real issues. As Seventh-day Adventists, we're not exempt from pornography. We're not exempt from, from uh, the movies that portray these type of things. And if we don't deal with these issues, not only on a bigger scale, but also in our lives, how are we going to have a relationship with Christ? And how are we going to have that loving intimate relationship with him and eventually with a spouse so I leave you with that I ask that you would bow your heads with me as we ponder these things Father in heaven Lord Lord you've created us as, as uh, emotional loving human beings you've created us in such a way that we are to interact with one another that we are to look at one another, whether male or female, as our brothers and sisters, as, our, as children of you. Lord, there may very well be people in this room that deal or struggle with identity and the way media portrays and says we have to look. Many in this room or some in this room may have an issue or an addiction to pornography, Father. But we know that you are bigger and you're stronger and that you can give us victory if we desire and we plead. 
Because ultimately, Father, you want us to be in your kingdom and you want us to have the joy and, 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 and desire to be so intimately involved with you. And so, Father, I pray for victory. I pray for your guidance. Lord, I thank you for this time. And I just pray that you will be with each individual as they go to uh, other meetings and as they enjoy the rest of their time here at GYC. Thank you for this. In Jesus' precious name. This message was produced by GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. GYC seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians in contemporary contexts. To download or purchase other resources like this, or if you have been blessed by GYC and would like to donate, visit gycweb.org or email info at gycweb.org. You could also reach us via mail at P.O. Box 3786, Ann Arbor, Michigan, 48106. This recording is licensed under Creative Commons. This means you can copy and share it with anyone you like. Please attribute this recording to GYC wherever you reuse it. And keep in mind that resale and alteration are strictly prohibited.